Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Restoring Grace Radio on blogtalkradio.com. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace. Thank you for joining us either live or on archives. Restoring Grace Radio is here to provide online lessons about the Christian faith, our history, our documents, and how to express our faith to a very needy world. Thank you for listening, and now, on to our broadcast. Greetings, my name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace. Whether you're listening to us live or on archive, thank you so much for hanging out with me. Tonight's episode is a Zohar in 15 called Killing Our Doubts. Zohar in 15, which means just stands for the 15-minute show, Killing Our Doubts. Our portion today is coming from the Zohar, volume number 7. The chapter, uh, Volume 7 is, is Baika, chapter, and in that, chapter 7, and the section called Relevant. At the beginning of each one of the chapters, the rabbis have a brief discussion called relevance, talking about the objects and the information they're going to be doing uh, during the chapter study. And this is not actually out of the verses itself, but out of the relevance section. We want to talk tonight about killing your doubts before they kill you. In Kabbalah, many of the stories in the Bible have other meanings, have other ideas. There is a system the rabbis and sages use, the Padres, that they use to kind of break down things. For example, every verse that they look at, first is, is Peshat, the, the surface, the straight meaning, just there, and David went here, and Saul did this, and Jesus said these things. Then there's what's called Ramez, which is the hint or the deep seeking, that there could be something behind the simplicity. And third is the Durash, which is to inquire, to seek or to ask questions. And I think this is one of the most missing components in our Bible studies, Missing components in our schools and our lecturing is we're not inviting people to inquire, to seek more. And last fourth, the sword, the mystery of the secret. In the Amalekites in the Bible, they're known as to the Kabbalists as doubt or uncertainty. Because every time they show up, something different happens. And there's volumes that have been written about doubt and uncertainty. The doubt and the uncertainty, they dwell in our consciousness. They, they wait for a proper environment to come forward. I mean, have you ever been just like going through your day and things have been moving along and you're doing what you should be doing and suddenly something, you say, something's wrong and this isn't going to work out. And these doubts and uncertainty come on. You don't know where they come from. It's kind of like a seed that's laying dormant in your consciousness. And we need to work hard to remember these three things. So stay with me. These three are very important. Number one, we need to always work on this. Recognize the reality of the creator. Know that God is there. Sometimes you can really sense the presence of God. You can really feel that that God is part of what's happening. And other times he seems rather distant. The truth is he hasn't moved. He hasn't moved his location or or moved where he is. We've moved. Maybe we've gotten confident in our own abilities to do things. Remember the reality. Recognize the reality of the creator. Secondly, trust the spiritual laws of the universe. Understand that God says that cast your bread upon the, on the waters and after many days it will return to you. 
it will return to you. When it says judge not, lest you be judged, understand that there are laws, spiritual laws, the universe operates by, and we have to trust those laws. We have to stay consistent to those laws. And third, we need to be willing to embark and remain on our correct spiritual path. We need to, again, commit to embarking and remaining on the correct spiritual path. So many people start their Bible study. They start their churches. They start their group study. They start their personal mission, their journey of self-discovery. They do all these things and they get started, but they don't finish. They don't finish them off. You got to embark on that path and remain on that path. I want you to remember those three things. We'll be coming back to those. Overcoming our doubts is key to our growth. It's key to our progress. And it's also key to our contributions to others. I've said before, and I'll say it again, I believe that doubts are where faith grows. It's not the other way around. I don't think faith is where doubts grow. Doubts are where faith grows, and it's healthy. And I understand that we're going to have doubts, and we're going to have uncertainty, and that's the place where we can begin to develop our faith. But one thing we need to remember is where we, when we fail to finish off our doubts and to, and to grab onto the certainty of our God, they're going to come back to do us harm. They're going to keep popping up. They're going to keep dealing with them. The Bible, which is a book of great mysteries and great inspiration, tells a story. He failed to kill his doubts. His name was Saul. He was the first king of Israel. Now, his story, by the way, the, the narrative in the Bible, it, it involves the real life Amalekites in this biblical narrative. And many of you know the story of, of Saul, David, and the Amalekites, and I want to run through it really quickly, but basically Israel saying, we want a king like everybody else, and the prophet Samuel comes to him and says, no, you guys don't want to do this. He's going to collect taxes from you. He's going to enslave you, and he's going to take your property and do all these things. And, and they're like, yeah, sounds great. Let's do it. So they pick a king, and it's Saul. And early on, Saul wants to attack the Philistines. Samuel says, no, don't do that. This is what God wants you to do, and he gives them a very unique command. I want you to go attack the Amalekites, and I want you to kill them all. Kill them all. Don't let any of them survive. Kill the men, the women, the livestock, every living thing, I want you to kill it. He doesn't do that. He brings back the livestock because when he got over there, he said, these are good livestock. And he brings back the king of the Amalekites. We're not sure exactly why, but he brings him back. And, of course, the prophet Samuel's upset. He goes through and makes a famous bleeding of the sheep remark. Meanwhile, this young man named David is kind of looming in the background. And after all these challenges of being told your kingdom is going to be taken away from you and you really messed up and all this, Saul just doesn't seem to get it. Even after all these challenges, he again disobeys and he attempts to go out and conquer the Philistines. And after what can be termed as a resounding defeat, he dies, all three of his sons die. He's killed on the battlefield. And the story tells us he was killed on the battlefield by an Amalekite. Now, for most people, they just blow right past this portion of scripture, and I didn't think twice about it. They kind of move forward, but we need to pause for a minute because there's a question we have to ask. If the only Amalekite that Saul had, had saved from death was the king, and he brought him back, killed him, who is this guy? Who's this guy? All the Amalekites are dead. Where did this guy come from? King David, by the way, at the end of this story, we're just kind of running through quickly, King David at the end of the story, who takes over for Saul, as king of Israel, he finally does finish the last of the Amalekites because 
the kid, the, the Malachite that killed Saul, comes back to King David with his sword and his helmet, tells him what he did, and David has him put to death. Now, we race through that story to get to this. We often think that we've got everything all sewn up. We often think there's no holes in the fabric, nothing to see here, move on. And then, almost out of nowhere, the doubts reappear. Almost out of nowhere, those doubts reappear. Right when we think we've got it, right when we think we have it nailed, that doubt and uncertainty begin to creep in. Now, a lot of times we want to blame somebody for that. Uh, in Christianity, we, we always talk about the devil. And we say that, oh, that's the devil. A lot of times it's us. It's things that we know that we left undone. It's like weeds. You ever notice you just have to water weeds? They just kind of grow on their own. Things that we've left undone. Things that God gave us to put out of our lives. Things that God told us, this is bad for you. Things that we know are not going to end well. And yet we still did them. We still did it. Saul and his son, one, by the way, Jonathan, who was deeply devoted and a great friend of King David, suffer horrible deaths. They cut off their heads and they hang along the walls of the city. And then the final thing we read about Saul is this from the Bible. It says this. Saul died for his unfaithfulness, which he had committed against the Lord, because he did not keep the word of the Lord, and he also because he consulted a medium for guidance. That's another story altogether. Perhaps sometime we will get to that. Well, the question I have for you is, cause is unfaithfulness. When the prophet Samuel came to him and said, hey, God said this. I want you to go in there and kill all these guys. He doesn't do it. Why not? What was the thing he was thinking? We know for sure that his failure to kill all the Amalekites was the beginning of his undoing. We know that the, that the kingdom was torn away from him at that point. Now, our biblical narrative doesn't answer all the questions that we'd like to, that we'd like to have answered. But one question is this. What would your life, what would your job, what would your marriage, your hopes and your dreams, what would those be like if you knew you could not fail? If you had complete certainty, certainty in the path that you were taking, if you knew for sure that what you set your hand to do, you could be successful, what would you do differently than you're doing now? We have been so caught up in the bluster of social media, instant rewards, meaningless satisfaction, so caught up in those things that we've forgotten our certainty. And we live in a time, I mean, we live in a time where we know, we can see. We live in a time where we can see for sure that there are challenges out there, that there are things that we're working on, that, that uh, the doubts and uncertainties of our life, and those doubts and uncertainties become our operating system, so to speak. They become the things that we start thinking about. They become the things that we start believing are real. People are so desperate for meaning right now and acceptance, they hinge their existence on how many likes they can get. On, on please see me, please see me. When really the challenge is we've got to find out, you know, for Saul what was killing him was his lack of obedience to God. But what came back to kill him was he didn't finish the task at hand. He allowed those doubts to be seeds that grew up around him. And when he least expected it, when he least thought of the opportunity, 
that was going to strike him. It was the very thing that he was supposed to kill that came back to kill him. I want you to go back with me now for just a couple of minutes. I want you to think about those three realities that we talked about in the beginning, these three kind of operational values that we hold in our heart about eliminating doubt, eliminating uncertainty. Number one is recognize the reality of creator. God loves you. And here's a surprise. God loves you just the way you are. He designed you the way you are. You say, well, I have a lot of flaws. God knows that. He wants to He wants to engage you to help him on some of the missions that he has to get done, some of the things that he wants. He wants you to be involved with him. We have to recognize that the creator is there even in those moments when the doubt seems so completely insane. Even in the moments when it doesn't make sense anymore. Even in the moments when you want to quit. Even in the moments when you feel like you've done everything you know to do, but yet somehow those Amalekites keep popping up. I thought we killed all these guys. I thought we were past this point. Well, it turns out we weren't past that point. Secondly, trust, trust the spiritual laws of the universe. Understand how the universe works. And that what sometimes, I remember the famous statement of the famous statement of Joseph when he was facing his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. That is trusting the spiritual laws of the universe. That is understanding that no matter what challenges I face, God is going to be there. And the third one is be willing to embark and remain on the correct spiritual path. Don't be running one way and running the other one. I'm going to go listen to Pastor so-and-so and Reverend this guy and Prophet this guy and Bishop this guy and Apostle this guy and run it all around. Stay true. Embark on your spiritual path. Remain on the spiritual path. You have to dig in. You have to trust. You have to have certainty in Creator that God loves you so much that he wouldn't leave you. He wouldn't forsake you, even though sometimes when it really feels like that. You know what? Sometimes it does really feel like that. We have to move on. Next time on Zohar 15, we'll be talking about revival, redemption, resurrection, and return. A brief history of the story of Israel and its impact on us. In just 15 minutes, we're going to pull that off. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace. And whether you're joining us live or on archive, thank you so much for being with us. (laughs) 